Hey, I've got some exciting news for you. For nearly a decade, the Social Media Marketing Society has been helping marketers like you to keep up with the changing times. This is our private community just for marketers, and the doors are open right now. When you join, you get access to ongoing training and become part of a welcoming community of marketers who are just like you. Learn more at smmarketingsociety.com. Again, smmarketingsociety.com. Welcome to the Social Media Marketing Talk Show, your guide to the ever-changing world of social media. Welcome to the Social Media Marketing Talk Show, a social media examiner production. I'm Eric Fisher, and my co-host today is Kim Reynolds. This is the show for marketers looking to stay on the leading edge of social media. We cover social media news that broke in the last few days. This show is brought to you by the Social Media Marketing Society. You can find out more at socialmediasociety.info. On today's show, we're going to explore how marketers can prepare for GDPR with Danielle Liss. We're going to talk about some Facebook ad updates with Amanda Bond. We're going to talk Snapchat, Pinterest, and more with Jeff C. And other breaking social media marketing news of the week. And with that, let's just dive right in because we've got a huge topic right up front here. Danielle Liss, welcome to the show. Hi, thank you. I'm excited to be here. So you, one, are qualified to talk about this because one, you're a lawyer <laughs> and and not just like, I'm not, a, you know, the whole, I'm not a lawyer, so I can't give you information <laughs> or, or, you know, advice. No, you literally are one. So we can take your advice, which is great. That's true. Next. <laughs> and, and how much also are you charging us uh, right now? This is all for free. I had, all to, do for a, free right I had to do a lawyer joke and I don't know why. That's not normal. <laughs> Anyways, GDPR. Yes, pro bono. Uh, GDPR. First off. People keep seeing these acronyms, especially if they're acronyms, uh, initials, if they are a marketer and they don't know what it means, or even if they do, they still don't know how to dig in deeper and know what to do with it. So let's go to the very, very top of the iceberg and start of work our way down um, Mm -hmm. and kind of dig into this. Sure. So GDPR, I think, is something that's been on everybody's minds. And I think especially over the past two weeks, everyone's inbox has been flooded with all of the privacy policy updates. A lot of my friends were saying, oh, I think that people are really reacting to Cambridge Analytica and all of the Facebook stuff that's been happening because everyone is updating their privacy policy. And I'm like, guys, I don't want to hurt your feelings, but this is all GDPR that's coming. And they're like, oh. What's that? (laughs) So (laughs) for our world, GDPR is the General Data Protection Regulation. It is an EU law that goes into effect on May 25th. And it is essentially putting really strict requirements if you are collecting data from people who are in the EU. So for those who are located there, even if they don't have residency, it can be applicable to the type of business that you have depending upon what you are collecting. So for a lot of people, I think there's a little bit of panic right now, but I honestly think that once you know what it is and how it can impact your business, you can sort of take a little step back, take a deep breath because it's not as bad as I think some people may believe it is. So So is there a fix for it, an easy fix? Well... Well, so you said, yeah, so you said data collection, like what kind of data Mm -hmm. collection are we talking about here? Because again, you brought up the Cambridge Analytica thing. And I think some people are thinking, well, as long as I'm not doing what they did, I'm fine. 
Well, the way that it's broken down is if you are collecting either personal data or there's another category, which is sensitive data. So if you collect the data or possess it, then you are potentially going to need to comply with GDPR. And the way that you can look at it is, are you offering services, whether they are free or paid, so it doesn't have to be a paid transaction to those who are in the EU, or, and this is really important, if you are monitoring behavior from those in the EU. This is really where it comes into play. So if you fall into those categories, then you want to make sure that you're compliant and you need to be obtaining stricter consent. So what I recommend people start out with is do an audit of what you're collecting. So first and foremost, what do they mean by personal data? I think there's obvious things like my name, my email address. And of course, if you have facial recognition, your physical appearance, because that's always a little freaky when you're tagged in things you don't know about. Um, But it can be something as simple as information that if it's connected with something else can identify you. IP address does count as personal data. So that personal data is something that I think most websites at their core likely are accessing. And it can be as simple as Google Analytics. So if it is, if you are collecting IP addresses for something, you definitely want to disclose that. Or if you're using cookies to track behavior, you need to disclose and get consent. Um, I think there's really two ways it's going to strongly impact marketers. You need to either obtain consent before using the tools. So if you are collecting data kind of behind the scenes where it's not something someone would normally opt into like an email list. So like your Facebook pixel, I'm sure that's not something anyone here uses. Um, (laughs) Then you definitely want to obtain consent because you are monitoring behavior. Or if it is something like an email list, you need to have them check a box and it has to be an affirmative action. It can't be, you know, a lot of times when you get to like I'm sure no one here knows, but you might think of an idea in the middle of the night and buy 14 domains based off of it. And you go to GoDaddy and like everything is kind of, I agree. And you're just scrolling and it's already pre-checked and you just do your thing. And you're like, cool, I now own 50 domains about this thing I'm never going to write about. Um, In that case, what you need to have there to make sure it's GDPR compliant is they actually have to check the box, which seems really basic, but it can't be that pre-filled box. It has Mm -hmm. to be in plain English, no legalese, which does not break my heart, which I'm sure people are like, "Eh, the lawyers love it. No, not always. Um, So make sure you are getting that explicit consent for whatever you are doing. Okay. So explicit consent. And again, Mm -hmm. you have to tell them, if I'm hearing you right, you've got to tell them what you're collecting, why you're collecting it, and, and what it could be used for by you. Um, Mm -hmm. But then also you've got to have an affirmative collection, not collection, like affirmative, like opting in, like they have to know this stuff. And it's, and see for online marketers, this is some of the stuff that we wish, like we almost didn't even have, like we, we wish we could add people and it's a spammy thing to do and please don't do it, but it's a spammy thing to do to like, just add people to your email list. Anyway, now we're almost making it even more hard to do that. Does that make sense? Yeah, just make sure it's a simple statement. Here's what I'm collecting. Here's what I'm using it for. You can always give a link to your overall privacy policy there. If you have more details that you want to give them or longer terms, you can certainly include that. But you definitely want to make sure that it's just a very clear, it's 
no legalese. Take out yeah. any of the jargon that's going to confuse people. Use the mom test is and my mom does not. She doesn't <laughs> understand the Facebook pixel. She doesn't understand any of those pieces. So make sure somebody who's not in our space, who doesn't understand the data collection, who doesn't understand what's going to happen with their information, then you make sure you are clear about what you're doing. Tim, my mom would totally do this if you give her good cat videos. <laughs> <laughs> so well, I, have, I have a question yes, quickly. Go for oh, it. Sorry. Um, okay. First site like Social Media Examiner where we're not in the EU, but we do have people from the EU that visit. Mm -hmm. So do we need to be compliant? Yes, the territorial scope has expanded. So if a couple of years ago, you may have seen when the EU cookie laws took hold. And there was a lot of yeah. questions. Do we as U.S. companies have to deal with this cookie law? And there was, of course, the panic. And the territory wasn't quite as broad there. But if you are collecting or monitoring the information, then yes, you definitely need to comply. It is much broader in the territorial scope, for sure. So pretty much because we never know where we're going to be interacting with somebody where we know where we are. We don't know where they are. And since they could be in the EU, then we have to comply. Like basically everybody should just automatically consider complying because the fines are pretty high also, by the way. I recommend, I do recommend <laughs> compliance because I will not be surprised if we see something similar adopted in the U.S. And mm -hmm. I don't, I don't know that it would be federal because um, I don't know what kind of laws can go through on a federal basis right now. But I can see state by state different places enacting various data protection rules. So I don't think it's a bad. I don't think transparency is bad right now. I think that particularly in light of everything that's happened with Facebook, you definitely get that permission. Make sure people are clear as to what you're doing. And I'm seeing a lot of people who are kind of pushing back and saying, I don't want to do it. I don't want to deal with anybody from the EU as a result. I'm not just, they're digging their heels in and saying no. But I really don't think it's, I mean, I've been to so many sites that have like the cookie permissions on them in the past. And it's really, it's not that bad. It's you click on the box, you give your consent, you agree, and then you can do your thing. I don't yeah. think it's a bad thing for people to know what's being collected and how it's being used. I was even talking with Michael Selzner a little bit earlier this week about this topic, and he was observing um, and may possibly come back on as a guest at some point soon here to talk about just the shift that, you know, the pendulum swings where we're, we're willing to give so much of our data and our privacy for free stuff or convenience. And right now we're kind of seeing a pendulum sw swing the other way because we've seen a couple major infractions with um, – our privacy and or our data and what it could possibly be used for negatively. And so this is just one of those things you have to be aware of as a marketer that it's not just about you marketing. It's about how the consumers feel and how safe they feel on the platforms you're using to market to them. So exactly, exactly. And I don't it's to me right now, we feel we are so used to this because we are in the industry and in the space that I think we think everyone knows what, of course, they're using the Facebook pixel. Of course, they're using, you know, affiliate cookies or whatever the case might be. But I think that for the average person, they have no idea about the level of data collection out there. So the more that we can educate and inform, I think it's a good role to be in to make sure people are comfortable with what we are collecting. So is there any difference, say, for a franchisee, like would they because they have they're underneath a, an overall like larger structure? Is it more of a um, 
you, you know what I mean? Like a franchise where it's it's mm-hmm. one level lower. They're not that they don't own the company, but they own a piece of the company. They run their little corner of it. I think that everyone still needs it all depends on who owns the website and who owns and controls and possesses that data. Because if you own so as a franchisee, I think there's a lot of different structures that can happen there. So you could potentially own and completely control the website or it may be corporate who owns everything and you're just kind of listed as a small subdomain. So I think in that case, it can depend on where the information is going. But if you, as your company, can possess and control that information, then you would want to be compliant. And again, you're saying this is this first kind of move from the EU, but you wouldn't be surprised if this is the first in many different kind of you know, it, this is a brick in the wall, so to speak, that is going that is being built because we've never really had these privacy protections in in this way before. Right. And yes. so I would not be surprised at all because California is right now the only state that mandates privacy policies. So my bet is that it would probably start with California. Um, but we don't know where you never know if people are concerned about, you know, the infractions and things that happened with Cambridge Analytica, it may be that there are other there are other states that feel like there was too much of an impact and they want to be proactive in protecting their residents. And it really at that stage, my view on it is if you're compliant already, then you just need to make sure that you've got it matching the law of wherever it is. Now hopefully the laws are somewhat consistent because I think that would be somewhat chaotic if you've got to be on this side, the way that you're getting consent for the EU and then this side for somebody, if for states in the US, then mm-hmm. I think it's going to get. So hopefully they will be somewhat consistent. I know somebody else was asking, well, can't we just turn off collecting and monitoring from the EU? I've heard some people talk about wanting to do that. And I think that in that case, it's a decision that you have to make for your business. If you want to do that type of overall block, do you really want to? lose that opportunity there to me. I don't think that compliance is that big a deal that you need to do that. And Tim brings up a really good piece in the in the comments that it's not necessarily that easy to do. If you can find a plugin that's that granular, I don't know of that the plugins are. So it can be I, I think that even trying to base it off IP is going to not necessarily be a hundred percent. Yeah, or even like WordPress yeah. plugins that you would put yeah. in and that it would just then suddenly make you compliant. Right, right. Well, can't you do that? Isn't there? I saw that there's a, a GDPR plugin for WordPress. Mm-hmm. Can can you just use those and be compliant? There are you typically those plugins, you're still gonna have to do a little bit of maneuvering. The one that we have seen is we've been recommending, I think there's GDPR, but now since we kind of evaluated everything internally. I believe there's now WPGP, GDPR and GDPR compliance. I will not be surprised if we see a whole lot more coming in yeah. the next month. Um, but just find one that works because usually what most people are going to need is that overlay that gives you the ability to consent for mm-hmm. the back end pieces. But I also think make sure with your third party service providers that number one, if they are going to be storing the data, that they are also going to be compliant. I've seen um, great things coming from ConvertKit, from MailChimp, I think, MailerLite. So a lot of companies are being extremely proactive. So make sure that the companies that you are using are going to be compliant. I always, the first step that I'm recommending for people is do an audit. Check and see what levels you are collecting data on. 
Now, do you have something that people can download that's an audit or do you provide that service? Um, we are assisting people with creation of policies over at our firm, hashtag legal and gracious link. Thank you. It's businessease.com slash GDPR. We have a download checklist there that can give you some general ideas. Like some of the things that I think are the biggest areas for marketers, like what do you do for Google analytics? What do you do for Facebook pixel? What do you do for comments and contact forms? Cause those are two really big areas where you're collecting personal data. So what should you do? So we've got some samples there. And Excellent. just to be clear, it's, it's, it's at any point in time that someone is going to be giving you information about themselves. And, and yes. I mean, how small is too small? Is, is there a granularity to this or it is a blanket thing? Anything that you can use to identify somebody either directly or indirectly. So if you can put it together with other information, it potentially can be personal data. I think for most people, it's the IP address and location that could be the most difficult. So just take a look at the plugins that you're using and make sure that you know what data you're collecting for sure. Gotcha. Okay. Um, What about like third-party apps that we may have attached to our Facebook account? I think you have to go through and see what's compliant, depending on what you're doing with it. So I, I'm recommending... This to me is like spring cleaning time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, <laughs> go through exactly. all the things, see what they're collecting. And this is the perfect time. I mean, for some people, this might be like the best spring cleaning ever. They're going to have like super fast sites when they get rid of some of the bulk in terms of their plugins. Um, but just take a look, see what they're, what data is being collected, and then you can kind of work through it. Okay. Um, is there anything else you can think of that affects marketers and the way they go about this? Because, I mean, we've got people, I mean, I, I think I know the answer already, where basically, if you're telling people up front, I'm collecting this information from you, this is why I'm collecting it and what I will be using it for, then you're mm-hmm. covered for when, say, I have a freebie to get you in on my email list and you, um, what was the word again? Aff- affirmatively opted in knowing, mm-hmm. and I disclaimed that first, and then you affirmatively opted in, then you know um, that, me- and I've in there said, by the way, uh, you know, you're getting this freebie, but I'm going to put you on my email list. Like that le- needs to be in plain English stated. That would actually be two check boxes. So gotcha. you would have, you are giving me your email See, address so I can major, send you That's a major download. change for a lot of people. And then second piece would be, I am, I want, I affirmatively consent to receiving whatever, you know, the newsletter that might contain X, Y, and Z. So yeah, you want to make sure that you're giving, getting consent for each piece of what you're doing. Okay. Very good. Yeah. I mean, there's, and, and obviously this is going to change the way we think about how we do these things when it comes to, well, I mean, I don't think anybody's thought about the data they were collecting. To be honest, I honestly like I've had a blog for a million years that I started like in law school and I have Amazon affiliates on there that do nothing because I don't use them that frequently. So I'm like, do I really want to continue collecting the data? Do I want to have to do that level of opt in? So I've actually debated, you know, is this something that makes sense for me still in my business practices? And I think in the um it depends on really what your business area is. But really, it's it's a good time to evaluate. Do the tools that I'm using in the places that I'm collecting data, do they still work? Do they still make sense? And what do I need to do to get compliant with them? I agree. I just see somebody saying, don't sweat it. I think that quite honestly, it's 
it's going to be a plug-in and updating privacy policies for a lot of people. I don't think it has to be something that is extremely... I don't think it has to be something that completely turns your business upside down for the next month trying to comply. Right. Well, and so we should probably state this. Uh, you wrote an article for Social Media Examiner. It's a great article, and it will be out on Monday. So for the podcast listeners, like the article's out there now. For those of us that are here live on Friday, uh, you'll have to wait till Monday. But till then... Uh, this has been great, and I think we've helped people uh, calm down a bit more, maybe get a little bit of so. a better handle on it. Yeah. And yeah, I'm really looking forward to um, everybody being able to read that article on Monday. Awesome. Thank Danielle, you. thank you so much for being here. Um, where can we direct people to to find out more about you and what you're doing? Sure. You can go to businessese, which is businessese.com or hashtag dash legal.com. That's our full service law firm. Awesome. Thank you so much, Daniel. Thanks for being Thank here. Thank you. Thanks. Thanks. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye. So do you feel better, Kim? Yes and no. Yes, and yes no. I do. Right. Yes, I do, because it seems like there should be a somewhat simple fix, but it's just one more thing now that I have to go and do on my, you know, my personal site because it's pixeled. Mm -hmm. And you know, all the my Facebook pixel. Oh, sorry, I said my oops, I did it again. Oh my. Okay. Yeah, it's a feedback sorry. loop here. But this is the kind of dialogue and stuff we talk about in the society. And oh yeah. So this is, you know, this is one of the reasons why you have to get in. The doors are closing today, by the way. Open enrollment yeah. is now going to be closed enrollment. So you right. need to check out the Social Media Marketing Society. You can get in on the Facebook group. You can get in on the three trainings a month that we have that are up to date. Um, what was the other thing? There was something else. I don't know. Just the community. Th that we do in the society. Yeah. The yeah. Facebook, the, the Facebook group. That's fantastic. And we have open Such office hours. Great resource. Uh, we have another one coming uh, up this week. So, which is basically a chance for you to ask all your questions while live while we're on camera and we'll give you the answers. We try to give you the answer. No, we give you the answers. Anyways. <laughs> I want to go on there and just stump you. Come up something yeah. really hard. So, <laughs> but yeah, you can find out more at social media. I lost it. Social media society.info. Society. It's such a, it's a URL that I'm not used to. I'm used to the social media marketing world URL. Anyway, all that to say, thank you, Amanda, for being here. Welcome. Yay. Thanks, Bye. guys. Whenever I come on the show after somebody else, my head is always spinning because as a marketer, as an advertiser myself, I just love this show because I'm like, oh, okay, how does this affect things? How does this fit into the overall strategy? So right. thank you guys as always for hosting the show. Well, we've got to sit here and, and like contain ourselves as we take it all in for the whole hour. So it's like, and prep yeah. for it. So... I'm not yeah, complaining. Fair. I'm not complaining. I'm saying this recording is... podcast, make all the notes after <laughs> like we're all doing it. <laughs> yeah, totally. Um, Tim wants to know if you are GDPR compliant, Amanda. Don't worry about it. <laughs> <laughs> Get over it. Next all right. business. Yeah. So in my head, I'm like, maybe I should just keep people on Facebook more, which I already do a lot for our brand and use their retargeting audiences. But yes, I use the pixel. We'll get into it as we kind of go through my segment as well, because yeah. we're going to talk a little bit more about that. But uh, so let's get on target about these targeting policies. I love it. There? 
I like it. I like it. So my first segment is all about Facebook refining their ad targeting policies. And I'm just going to come out and say it. This is going to be something that we're going to continuously hear for the next little while. Facebook is being super proactive in communicating with the platform, with the audience that they have about what is going on. So just keep on expecting these changes to happen. And as marketers, as advertisers, just keep yourself as informed as possible. And don't overthink it. Just take the small steps needed. So we're going to dive in and we're going to bring up on screen some examples around exclusion audiences. But I have to jokingly say first, Facebook wants advertising to be safe and civil. And they're doing that by just putting like a little warning sign underneath of their exclusion audiences. So just like the last time I was on when it comes to uploading emails to their platform and you having to check a box to say like, yep, I comply with this. Again, they're going to be just adding different warning signs for advertisers to make sure that the advertisers are aware of the different things that they need to be compliant about. So this little segment here is about advertisers. And then we're going to get into a little bit more details on the public side of things and clarification for how the ads work. So if you're a social media manager and you communicate a lot with the public, this might be something uh, in our next segment to point them to. So what we have on the screen here is when you're in ads manager and you're going to select your targeting. So you can do demographic targeting, you can add in uh, people who have interacted with your business in meaningful ways with custom audiences. But the red box at the bottom here is all about excluding people who match a certain interest targeting. And that box, again, is just, just Facebook's way to inform advertisers, hey, are you complaining? Here are the policies front and center. Go check that out before you exclude somebody. Now, there are some times when you're advertising that excluding audiences make sense. Like if you're sending people a sales page, you would want to exclude people who have already purchased that product so that you're not necessarily annoying them with ads that they've already made a transaction for. So that type of targeting exclusion makes sense where Facebook is wanting to be more sensitive is any exclusion that includes discrimination. So they've been in review for like the past, uh, I think it's like five or six months after the election stuff that came up. They've been in review, bringing together committees to get a better understanding of this. And they're taking actions like hiring more people in the review process and just improving their machine learning along the way. So if you're... This is something that I'm hearing often from advertisers. Actually, hands up in the comments here if you're joining us live. Have you noticed lately that your ads tend to stay in pending review just a little bit longer these days? Like some days yeah. it'll work, but then other days it's like, hmm, it's been about... 36 hours now and this one's still in pending review. Oh, I can My, I can tell you right now that we get tons of private messages asking, is there something I mean, is it broken? They ask us like literally <laughs> they're like, Facebook, is it broken? And I have to say like Facebook does what it wants. 
Yeah. Sometimes Facebook does feel broken. Let's be honest. Like as advertisers, we're in there. And I always like to remind myself, if ads manager, and if you still have power editor, if power editor feels a little bit buggy, that usually means Facebook is making improvements on the back end. Um, so I just caution you to have a little bit of patience during that because at the end of the day, they're protecting its users. They're making their advertisers uh, have better functionality along the way. So it's just kind of par for the course as we're advertising on Facebook. But I do want to switch over to a little infographic that we have here. Actually, sure. do you guys have any other like questions on the exclusion there based on what you're seeing on Ads Manager? Kim, you have anything? No. I'm good. No, okay. no. All right. Not right now. So what are we looking okay. at here? So this is a fun little infographic Facebook just released. And it's basically a crash course in educating people on how Facebook works. So for anyone who has questions on how Facebook works, how they monetize, how you can control things, this infographic is uh, it's, it's the solution to that. They're going through and educating people. So the top part where it's that like baby blue section of how Facebook works, they want people to be able to make Facebook work for them. And there's three core pillars that they're telling people about. One, Facebook is a free platform and it will remain free. And the way that they're doing that is through advertising. Now, Whenever I think of free, I always think of that that time when your like aunt shares that post where it's like, share this because Facebook's going to go to a subscription service. <laughs> <laughs> so that's just another confirmation from Facebook that it is a free platform. They're all about connecting people. But in the second pillar there, they are monetized through advertising. But what that doesn't mean is... Like it doesn't mean that Facebook's out there selling your unique personal data. So what they are selling is ad space. That's completely different from selling uh, Tammy in Idaho who has a black Labrador who is 36 and belongs to mom groups. When you're advertising, you actually don't see any specifics about audiences you choose. So as an advertiser, you're in Ads Manager setting up ads. And what you do have the ability to use is general interest targeting, where Facebook like groups a bunch of people who have similar characteristics, but they're encrypted. So advertisers actually don't get to see any of that data. It's not like they're buying your data. They're buying the ad space in front of the most relevant people along the way. So when you interact with ads as a Facebook user, you're actually self-identifying <laughs> to that advertiser, right? Like the advertiser had no idea who you were until you take personal action. So mm -hmm. That's the third uh, little pillar there with the, the levers up and down. It's all about telling you that you control your data based on your user experience on the platform. So that could be how you're using Facebook, what uh, groups you're interacting, what demographic information you're giving them, um, what things you're liking, commenting, and reacting on. Facebook is using that data, again, not to sell it to advertisers, but to group you into different user demographic pools. So that's one. The second way is how you interact with advertisers. So like if you buy something from 
social media examiner. If you buy something from Amazon as a user, you're now giving that company based on privacy policies and all the rules and regulations they have about their own business, you're giving them permission to interact with you back on Facebook. So those people are bringing that info back to Facebook. And then the third is apps and the pixel. And I think it was Jed that said, like, get that pixel off your site. (laughs) But that's not really realistic for advertisers either to be like, oh, okay, I don't want to collect pixel data because I want to you know, I don't, I don't want to have my privacy or my data sold. So I'm not going to use the pixel. There is a few nuances around that. But rest assured, as a user, you do have control in then what you see. So from a marketing standpoint, or a personal user standpoint, you can like, you can unfollow friends, but still remain friends. So you're like, you're not going to see their updates. You can hide ads, you can manage who, uh, who sees your interests. Like if you go to your Facebook advertising settings, there are actual settings that you can go in there and update, you can remove apps that you've previously given permission for or permission to. So as users of the Facebook platform, we do have like a lot of ways to control what you see. So uh, if you want to, I believe uh, Grace put it in the comments here, definitely go check out this article, download the infographic and educate yourself as a user. But if you're dealing with people on social in business capacity, educate yourself on how they can control it and how Facebook uses their information so that you can speak to that whenever you're whenever you're chatting with your peeps uh, on social, essentially. <laughs> Very cool. So, and we'll make sure to have that link in the Saturday post for this show as well. Amazing. Any other like, Kim, do you have any thoughts on it? Because I know that uh, your clients are all over this as well. Yeah, it's just... Um... I think that this is really beneficial and any sort of information that you want, if you want to opt out of ads, like just today, I opted out of an ad for Microsoft trying to sell me cases for a product I don't own. And so it's really great the way that you can hide an ad and say, you know, this is not relevant to me. But also what people don't usually know is that you can go and manage all of those interests. It's kind of a pain to go through and uncheck stuff or or delete categories. But if it's really important to you. Now I'm the weirdo. I love ads. I, I especially love highly targeted ads. I think that it's fantastic when I get great ads in front of me, especially when they're entertaining. See, yeah. So. I'm the opposite. I'll, I'm the one who on my Instagram feed will swipe and like hit not relevant, swipe, not relevant, <laughs> swipe, not relevant. Like every time I, not every time actually. And I, and yet here I am the guy who has bought stuff off an Instagram ad. So Exactly. Exactly. So when they when ads are done well and they can be done well because of all the data they collect, when they're yep. done well, they're useful. Yeah. Wouldn't you want a better user experience because of it? And yeah. I, ha- I have to just laugh at Eric's comment there about like, I, I just get rid of everything. Facebook actually said in one of their statements, like, we can't get rid of the ad. So like, choose what you want to see to right. have a good user experience. Yep along the way. And Danielle referenced it uh, in the earlier segment. It's all, it's feeling like a spring cleaning overall, right? Mm-hmm. Where you're going in, you're cleaning out your apps, you're checking your interest targeting, like just, just make it a process and get in there and clean it all out and have a better user experience on Facebook overall, or maybe put down your phone sometimes and go outside. <laughs> yeah. 
there is that. There is that. Okay. The last thing that I want to touch on before I jump off is there's not really much action that we can take on it. So it's more of just an informative segment around Facebook Watch, the platform where they're bringing more creators over to bring quality content to the platform to help those creators monetize. They're putting more focus and effort into that so that they can build more momentum. So if you know or if you've heard of Lewis Howes, for example, mm-hmm. hands up if you've recently heard about his new Facebook Watch show. It's a talk show that's in the works with Facebook Watch. Ooh. So the goal with this update to the ad side of things is to build more momentum, is to build more viewership so that Facebook can attract higher quality creators and content makers to their platform to keep people on the Facebook platform in general. So what we're going to start to see tested, and currently it's only available to those people on the Facebook watch platform already. So it's not just like a general advertiser thing yet. But they're going to be testing more ad formats in pre-roll format. So think of it like a preview for the shows over on Facebook Watch to take people from the newsfeed over into Facebook Watch to build a more loyal viewership along the way. So be on the lookout for that ad format. They're also doing some minor tweaks to the mid-roll format. So These creators who have shows on Facebook Watch can monetize by using ad breaks where they have mid-roll ads. So like halfway through, you're watching watching Lewis Howes. He's got Simon Sinek on the show. And then all of a sudden, as it would be a commercial break on TV, they're going to do mid-roll ads. And that revenue is split between Facebook and the creator. So they've got some cool tests going on right now. Everything that I'm talking about right now is in test phase about mid-roll ads and optimizing when those ads should be placed to, again, create more revenue opportunities for those creators so that their Facebook watch platform can compete with the big dogs like Netflix, with you know Amazon Video, and all of the people that are jumping into that on-demand comment or content type of platform. So just be on the lookout for a few cool updates. If you have clients or if you're working with a brand who is in Facebook Watch, uh, they just are talking a little bit more about the guidelines of really quality content. Facebook is really encouraging people to focus on that quality content and not do like clickbaity things where it's an image and you just turn it into a video to collect those video viewers. Like, <laughs> right? I roll on that one. Yeah. Um, so just cool things coming out of that camp. Very cool. We know that they've said that down the line, you know, they were going to open up to more creators as time goes on. But again, it's good to know they're still kind of holding that line of, well, we're still going to be picky. We're going to have a quality control kind of, uh, you know, uh, I don't know, review here before we let you in. So I like it. It's It feels prestigious or prestigious, however you pronounce it's that. It's exclusivity. That's yeah, it is. And so yeah. they they want quality content because quality content will attract more creators at that higher level, right? Like small business owners would love to be on Facebook Watch. For sure. But in terms of a monetization for your own business, like that's probably not the place that you want to be. And live streaming is just good enough for now. So yeah. I like that they're going after those big dogs to make it 
more and to make it more robust. It feels like Facebook's playing in a whole new way. Yeah. Well, so, so what you're saying is that Mike needs to build us a studio for yes. our show. Oh, that's what I thought you were saying. Yeah, yeah. exactly okay. what I was saying. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Oh, gosh. It. Yeah. Well, we got room. There. Perfect. Not here. Anyways, Amanda, I, I, I'm going to quote uh, Jed Record, uh, who is now on the record as saying, I learned something new when Amanda Bond is here every time. So, uh, and so, and so do I, so I'm just glad to, to have you here every time. Um, where can people find you in the meantime? Well, I'm definitely not going to send you off of Facebook with all the data that's going on. So just come hang out over on my Facebook page at facebook.com slash the ad strategist. We'd love to have you hang out. Awesome. Nice. Thank you so much, Amanda, for being here. It's been thank you. Yeah, thank you, you very much. Thanks. Bye. Yeah, Jed, uh, great, great comment there uh, that you always learn something when she is on. And it's just true. So and, and the great thing is, is that like you don't have to wait for this show. Like you could join the society and then uh, see all of our friends trainings as well. And by the way, you get access to all of the past trainings. But also the whole library. Yeah, you get the whole library. So there's stuff in there that you want to go back and learn from. That's great. But we don't just have the old stuff in there and like covered it once and it's done. They're always being updated. So anyways, uh, doors closed today. You got to find out more. Go over to socialmediasociety.info. And with that, Jeff, welcome to the show. Hey, how are you? I think it's been a while since I've been hosting. You've been a guest. Yeah. I don't know why. Yeah. Anyways. So I'm I'm on for Snapchat. What? Jeff's on for Snapchat. Yeah. Well, we're a full, we're a full service uh, social media marketing news show. Yes. So. All right. So there's a bunch of Snapchat news and then we got some Pinterest news. Yeah. So crazy stuff going on. So uh, last week, uh, Snapchat introduces shoppable uh, uh, augmented reality lenses. And the cool thing is, according to Snap, 70 million users engage with lenses each day. So that's a lot of, I mean, that's, I think most of us go on to play with the lenses uh, on Snapchat. So uh, they're trying to really cement their position in augmented reality marketing. And so they're rolling out this thing called shoppable uh, AR, and it makes it easier now for advertisers to sell goods through sponsored lenses. So uh, if you look on the the screen, what we're seeing here is there's like the regular lenses that you're used, used to, but on top of that, they have a thing that calls, it says install now where you can actually go and install that app uh, right from Snapchat. And so they have a new, it's a shop now uh, way to, you can go shopping. So the, the kind of things that they're, they're uh, offering with this um, is they let you tap a button and you can open up a web page that can promote a product or, or a sign up page, a, a video option. So you can actually watch a trailer. Like a lot of these, uh, of these uh, filters have like, you know, they're based on movies, like they had X-Men and Batman for a while. So they have a, where you can go watch a trailer or a video option and uh, an install button, like what we're seeing now to actually install the app. And it, it all happens right there in Snapchat. So kind of interesting how they're doing this. There's not any really um, increase for advertisers. Um, they're just kind of giving them the option. So this isn't like an add-on price from uh, what they've released. And the marketers that are rolling out with this are, uh, Coty, Adidas, uh, King, and a film studio called SCX Entertainment. And they're um, actually, if you go there now, I went in there this morning and there are actually some there. So um, it's very interesting that they're doing this. So they're trying to be ahead of the curve with this uh, AR marketing stuff. 
And um, here's how much it costs if you're wanting, hey, I want to buy this for my company. So uh, advertisers can buy lenses in kind of like three different ways. They can use uh, Snap self-surf tools uh, to bid on Snap ads. Uh, and they can that's when they uh, swipe up to try. And they're like $100 per day. They can also pay for an audience-targeted lens upwards of $40,000, uh, which is an agreed-upon uh, CPM. Or they can buy lenses nationally across the U.S., which runs into hundreds of thousands of dollars, which like the movie releases and stuff. So um, anyway, kind of interesting what's going on there. One of the things, uh, kind of a flip side, I think it's a great service. I mean, Snap's got to do some yeah. stuff, I think, to catch up with like Instagram. Um, but here's the thing that some uh, like the flip side of that is like with the shop now thing, are you going to go to a boring web page? So marketers really need to think of when they're clicking on this shop now or watching this trailer that the destination URL really has to pop and really not lose you don't want to like a bland sign up form. You want to have something that has to do with that lens. So yeah, especially when very, it's very been cool. like an AR type lens. Right. Yeah. So um, it'll be interesting to see how long it takes before Facebook steals this. Yeah. So you know, it's kind of interesting. I always wonder that kind of thing. So it looks like we've got some the, other lens news here too. Yeah. So the other thing is, is Snapchat enables user generated face lenses. So uh, it's not just limited. The, the thing, ones that you could create yourself, used to be just limited to objects. Now, uh, on Tuesday, April 11th, they opened Lens Studio to face filters. So this expands on some earlier uh, pro uh, options that allowed artists uh, to develop their own world lenses. So it also now supports GIFs from Giphy. So it's very, very cool. Um, it gives you a bunch of new templates if you're wanting to go try this. Um, you can start with like a face paint. You can do a photo, uh, overlay uh, lenses into a single static image. You can distort. You can do a trigger, and we'll talk about that a little bit later. Um, 2D objects, 3D objects. And you can actually have a baseball cap template where you could put your logo and colors, like your company. But that starts out and gives you a, a kind of a way to build on from there. Very cool. All right. And this is kind of leads into that. I mentioned the trigger thing where you have an action, like raising your eyebrows makes you bar frame bows or something. Right. Well, now um, Snapchat release this augmented reality games. And so these are actually, I actually had them on this morning on Snapchat. They're called Snappables. Um, they're uh, augmented reality games that use your touch, motion, and facial expressions to uh, do these. You can compete for high scores or head-to-head -head multiplayer matchups. So like there was one where there's like a barbell on my eyebrows and I had to raise them so many times and you try to compete with like your friends and stuff like that. So it's kind of fun. They've really like went all in with this AR stuff in this kind of recent updates. Uh, and the Snappables is rolling out globally this week. And they say new Snapples, Snappables, <laughs> not Snapple. Snappables hey, I could go for one now. Dang it. Yeah, I I'm, I'm so susceptible. So, yeah, so <laughs> that's on the lens front. So there's some cool stuff. If you've always wanted to create a lens for Snapchat, now here's your chance. Go in there and play. I think we're going to see a lot of cool stuff uh, that's going to be rolling out. Uh, for that, so Very cool. Um, let's see. Uh, but wait, the, there's more. The new, but wait, there's more. Snapchat news. Uh, Spectacles version two. So, if you thought those old ones weren't cool, well, these are supposed to be a lot cooler. So, there's no yellow ring alerting people to the camera. They're underwater capable. They have classier colors with lighter lenses. You can have prescriptions even, and oh. they're supposed to be faster seekins. They have a must sinking. They have a much slimmer frame and charging case. And uh, what they've done, they've kind of fixed the biggest pain points of 
the old spectacles, which they lost a lot of money. They hear the stories about there were all these in warehouses left. But they uh, launched yesterday with version two, and they start with they start at one hundred fifty dollars. So they're a little more expensive than the old version, but supposedly they're more comfortable to wear, uh, more comfortable to wear, um, sync four times faster in HD. You can actually um, let's see here. Um, these definitely you look get them on more fashionable. Yeah, you can. They, <laughs> I don't. I okay. Not that I know. I, I'm a black know, person. Like, yeah, I use so, the black sunglasses. Um, so they're launching today, and I mean, they launched yesterday in the U.S., Canada, uh, United Kingdom, and France, and then uh, 13 more European countries are launching with it on May the third. Uh, like I said, they're twenty dollars more than the old versions at one hundred fifty dollars, and they're not going to be doing those pop up things. Remember, you had to kind of do a scavenger sure. hunt to get the old ones. Uh, you just go to the Snapchat uh, website and you can pick them up there. And if you do still have your old lenses, uh, you can get a firmware update that lets them take photos. That's the other big thing is not just video now. You can take photos with your your spectacles version too. So, well, and you can get a prescription, which means your insurance could potentially pay for them. Well, hey, maybe yeah, some of know, it, but the but the frames that's the expensive part. <laughs> the cool thing is, is it sounds like the battery and memory is going to last. They say for uh, like they can transfer 70 videos over a week on normal charge. And then you have like a, uh, with a case, you have about a, another four extra charges. So uh, you like long press for a photo or tap for a 10 second video and you tap extra to extend the clip up to 30 seconds. So that's when the light ring fires up to let people know you're recording them. But it's more less well, a lot more subtle than that yellow ring on the old one. Sure. So yeah. um, anyway, still kind of makes me creepy that people walk into the bathroom with those on. Uh-huh. Uh, I'm okay. old fashioned that way. You, yeah, you freaked so, me out there. So yeah, I'm just I'm saying. Good. So and th- and the thing is that you can't tell unless you really look and you know what you're looking for because they don't have that yellow ring around the camera anymore. Um, the next thing that is Snapchat is testing six second skippable unskippable ads. So uh, a Snap uh, spokesman confirmed that a thing that they call commercials, really cool name there, uh, will be six-second ads that they'll run in Snapchat shows, um, and it's supposed to start around May 15th, and you're not able to skip them. So it's going to be really interesting to see how this works, because most everybody I know skips ads on Snapchat. Uh, My kids, they don't even, I mean, there's not even a thought. They just skip them. So uh, that'll be interesting to see how that works. the end users um, really like these unskippable six-second ads. And they did six seconds because they think that's the perfect time spot. All right. So that's Sorry. all the Snapchat news. Let's get into the Pinterest news. Yeah. So Pinterest, uh, we talked about this. Uh, we broke some news about it earlier this week. Eric and I did. Uh, has new business profiles and insights. So you're now able to custom – has this really cool customizable profile cover where – it's a it's dynamic and it lets you highlight the content you want your customers to see first. You can show your latest pins, you can pick a specific board to spotlight, or just focus on the re- your recent pin activity uh, from your site. Whatever option you pick, you know that's going to show you there. And there's actually a little uh, call to action when you hover over it where you can go see their most recent pins. So uh, it's very very cool. It's hard to see on the second part of this. It's kind of hard to see on there, but underneath where it says Camellia Styles, it actually shows. Um, a, a new kind of stat. It's not so much about follower count anymore. It tells you the most, uh, your, your monthly viewers. So it tells people 
who saw your pins in the last three days? How many, how many people have seen that? So it's great for influencers or if you're wanting to partner with a brand going to see, well, how many people actually see this person's pins? So I think it's great. I think it's awesome because follower count doesn't necessarily mean views. So it, there's, okay. a, there's kind of a disconnect. So somebody may have a small yeah. follower account, but they may have millions of views and that's an influencer that you may want to check out. So uh, the other part of this stat is um, the update is um, they've they've named and we kind of broke this a couple of weeks ago. There's a new tab called a followers tab, and the follower tab at the top lets you see who's following you, which is a great um, use because or who you're following. I'm sorry, it lets you see who you're following. And instead of like if I knew that uh, like Peg Fitzpatrick or Lisa Meredith, who I trust, and they always have great pins. Instead, I'd have to go to their account and pin their pins because it didn't always show up in my smart feed. Well, right now I can go to that that followers tab, see their stuff, and I can pin it right away. It also has a great way to find new people to follow. So Pinterest is doing a great job of kind of getting that stuff out there for creators. Okay, very cool. All right, what else do we have here? There's more Pinterest yeah, news so here. Last bit, uh, last bit is Pinterest uh, released new features to uh, assist visually impaired users. So Pinterest is all about visual the visual network. And so they've made sure that the visually impaired uh, folks who use their platform aren't left out. They've got a better screen reader. They've got different color contrasts to help uh, people with who are sensitive in that area. And uh, they also have focus indicators for uh, mobility. People who have mobility or visual differences can use this keyboard or another device to navigate to, you know, focus on buttons or whatever. So they've done a great job with that. And uh, they've done some other rollouts for the, uh, engineers and designers to make sure that uh, they are uh, doing the best they can for the visual impaired people. Very cool. Well, while we've got you here, there's one last thing. It has to do with Instagram and it has to do with Instagram Uh enabling multiple image or video uploads to stories. How do you feel about this? What is it? And then how do you, do you think this is cool? I do. Spoiler. Yeah, I think anything that lets you easy. uh, One of the things I, I always would hate to try to scroll through and find stuff and, but this way, it's a really easy way that you can just select um, different uh, uh, photos that you've taken that you want to go to storage. You don't have to do it one at a time. You can just select them and boom, you're done. I think it's a lot a lot easier way to use it. Um, I think that uh, Instagram continues to make improvements because they have so many users. Uh, and we've talked about the stuff with the, the uh, profile and all sorts of things like that. So anything that makes it easier for stories because... We've noticed this on Social Media Examiner's account. We get a lot of interaction on stories. We still get on posts, but it just seems more intimate. We're getting a lot of questions when people see a story. And Uh so the story format is not going away. Well, and I'll typically, because to create a great story takes a lot of work to then create all the different, I don't know, frames individual sections of something that's ongoing Um, to do that. It takes a lot more work, especially when you go to then upload them each individually one at a time over the course of sitting there for a while with this, you can have them all set up and then you can tap them. I mean, what you do is you go to the, um, Oh, what is it called? Like the, the, the the upload area. Yeah. Yeah, And and then the upper right, there's a little like multiple, frame kind of looking icon and you tap that and then you can start tapping all the different pieces and you can tap them in the order you want them to be uploaded in, which is great. I mean, think about how much time this is going to save us when it comes to Instagram takeovers, when people give us 
the oh, assets yeah, yeah. ahead of time because right. letting them log into our account honestly is just a headache to switch up different um passwords and things like that security wise yeah and it, it reminds me of like when you're doing a carousel post in instagram you know mm-hmm. you can select multiple images it's kind of mm-hmm. the same thing you do it in the, the order you want to go and so it's really it's going to be really handy and and uh, hopefully it's going to get more people using stories or make it at least easier to do yeah so uh, unfortunately, it's only for Android at this moment and iOS. It'll come out, uh, they said, in the next few weeks. So we should right. keep an eye out for that. Again, Android, uh, it says it's available currently and iOS in the coming weeks. So there you go. Uh, Jeff, thank right. you so much for being here. And uh, where can people find you? You can always find me at Jeff C across the interwebs, but also uh, you can go to manlypinterstips.com. Uh, we're always adding testosterone one pin at a time, unless you're from the EU, because don't click on anything, for goodness sake, because I'm not compliant yet. So just, you know, <laughs> stay away. Oh, you hey, have a month. You, you got another month, month till, till then you can get fined the $20 million. So, yeah, so there you go. All right. Thanks, guys. See you later. Thanks, Jeff. Bye, Jeff. All right. Great, as always. And uh, we want to close the show now, basically. <laughs> so uh, I want to say uh, special thanks to Jeff C., who somehow is magically able to appear on TV on TV, this is TV, to appear here on camera while handling the simulcast. I want to say thank you to Grace Duffy, our show producer, who is like the backbone of this operation, to be quite honest. She does a great job. Um, Kim, thanks for showing up. Thanks for being awesome as a co-host, as usual. (laughs) And get this show on your calendar. Go to socialmediaexaminer.com slash live show. You can join us live if you've never joined us live before. It's a whole different experience than listening to it later or watching it later. Uh, You can find the audio podcast of this by going to iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, and just looking for Social Media Marketing Talk Show. Don't forget the doors close on the Social Media Marketing Society today. By going to socialmediasociety.info, you can get in and get inside the society and in the community. We'd love to have you. Our next show is next week, Friday, May 4th, 10 a.m. Pacific, 1 p.m. Eastern. And again, get it on your calendar, socialmediaexaminer.com slash live show. And with that, uh, I want to say thank you for joining us. Thank you for being here. Thank you for uh, opting in and spending your time with us. Uh, we hope we hope that it's been worth your while and uh, informative and fun and educational even. And we'll see you next week. Bye. Bye, everyone. Thank you. The Social Media Marketing Talk Show is a Social Media Examiner production. For more social media insight, visit socialmediaexaminer.com. Hey, just a quick reminder, join the Social Media Marketing Society today and level up your marketing for your company or your clients. Visit smmarketingsociety.com to find out more.